This is Bishop Michael Curry, and you're listening to The Way of Love. In this episode, we're talking about the practice we call worship, gather in community weekly to thank, praise, and draw near to God. May the way open before you. Welcome back to The Way of Love, a podcast from the Episcopal Church about following Jesus and changing the world. In season two, we're talking about the way of love beyond the church walls. I'm Sandy Millian, and I'm here with Kyle Oliver. Thanks, Sandy. Today, we're talking about what might seem like the most challenging practice to engage in outside of church uh, worship. <laughs> but in the second half of our show, we'll be talking with Ugo Olais about a celebration that quite naturally takes place in neighborhood settings. And of course, Bishop Curry is no stranger to leading and participating in more public and community-based services of worship. We started by talking about what it's like to prepare for that experience. Well, context is everything. Mm -hmm. So that in an outside setting, you've got to be mindful of what can people actually hear right. and how much can they hear? What are the distractions around you that may actually be taking their attention away or what they can actually retain? One of the things I learned as a parish priest years ago was that there's a whole lot going on during a service. So you probably only have maybe a third of people's actual attention because if there's a little baby in the pew in front of them or in the chair nearby, I can assure you the baby's going to trump the preacher yeah. any day of the week. And, you know, then they're parents with kids. And so they're focusing half on the kids and half listening to the sermon. And then you have somebody who's preoccupied with something that they came in. And you know what? All of that is okay to bring that into the awareness of the presence mm -hmm. of God. Jesus said, wherever two or three gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of them, mm -hmm. which means just dwell in his presence. It's okay if you're worried about something. My grandma used to sing this song, take it to the Lord and leave it there. Amen. Take it to the Lord and leave it there. Does knowing the audience or not knowing where you're going to be, the, the context, does it change the way you prepare to lead worship? You want to be respectful of the people who are there. So as much as you can know about the context, it really does help. It makes a big difference on one hand. On another hand, it doesn't. The message is the same. The gospel is the same. It's like it says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how you convey it, how you communicate it, that does get affected, uh, affected, if you will, by the context. I'll never forget, I was a rector of St. James Church in Baltimore, and this is probably 30 years ago now, and we were working together between the African-American and the Korean-American communities there. And there had been some tensions between the two communities who kind of lived in some of the same areas, and there were some tensions. And so a number of clergy, Korean and, and African-American, got together, and we spent time getting to know each other. And at some point, we decided to have a public service of worship. And they decided I was going to be the preacher. So I, I was preaching. And so everything I said was being interpreted or translated into Korean. And it was just fascinating because, one, Korean is a little bit of a longer language when you translate oh. it. So it takes more words to actually get it out. <laughs> but, two, I knew I was, I was swimming in different cultural waters. And I don't remember what it was I said, but whatever it was, it wasn't funny in English, but it was hilarious in <laughs> Korean. So... <laughs> So yeah, you want to be mindful of the right. cultural, the context, whatever that happens to be. Yeah, have you had a special experience where you weren't prepared or something didn't go the, the way you thought it was going to be, but then the spirit just moved through you and it just went great? That happens a lot. I mean, it, it really does. Something that you think when you're preparing is going to communicate one way, sometimes communicates another way. And I've just learned go with the spirit. I mean, it, it's just clear if that's where the spirit's gone, 
follow that. Don't and, mess with the and spirit. Don't mess with the spirit. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do that all the time. All I get all about the scrimmage line. <laughs> I know you, you shared time with people from different faith backgrounds. Mm-hmm. What's it like to be a Christian and experience worship in another faith tradition? Oh, another faith tradition? Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, 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 I've been blessed to be able to actually worship in other traditions, usually on occasions where we're coming together across traditional lines, um, not just among Christians, but, you know, Christians and Jews or Christians and Muslims, Christians and, and Hindus. And there is an experience generally of the sacred, mm. of the reality of the mystery of God that does come through in other traditions, even for someone like me who isn't of that tradition. Right. It's like there's a, there's a gospel hymn. I can feel his presence every while. And there's times when I felt the presence in another tradition. And there's a part of me that says, that's the same presence Mm -hmm. every once in a while I can feel when I take the bread, this is my body, and and drink of the cup, this is my blood. Um, Every once in a while, it doesn't happen all the time, but there are times when you feel there is something more here than just wheat bread and sweet wine. And I've been in other religious settings where, as Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place. Mm. I remember one time I was in a synagogue and there was a point in the service where the ark, which holds the sacred scrolls, which have the words of Holy Scripture on them, and the choir was singing. And I don't know what they were singing. It was in Hebrew. <laughs> and, and yet it was like, it was clearly invoking the presence of God. And the ark opened, and I remember a shiver going down my spine. When they were singing, they were hitting some notes, and the ark opened, and the rabbi took the scroll and put it on his shoulder and walked. And I just wanted to say, I knew I was in a synagogue, but I wanted to say, thank you, Jesus, glory, hallelujah. Yeah, that that says a lot. You don't necessarily have to understand the context where you are as long as your heart is open. We can, can learn to respect each other's traditions of faith and ways of God. That doesn't mean you give up your own. Right. It doesn't even mean you compromise it. But the depth of your faith, at least for me as a Christian, the depth of my faith leads me to respect and honor wherever God shows up. Uh, Jesus actually said, he who's not against us is for us. Mm. That's Jesus talking. Amen. Um, and so if, if Jesus said that, who am I <laughs> to deny that? Right? Have you ever participated in a worship service in a setting that took you out of your comfort zone? How did the experience connect you with a new insight? So now that we've heard a little bit from Bishop Curry about some of his experiences with worship beyond the church walls, we've got a special guest here to talk about a particular tradition of doing that. So, Ugo Olais, can you introduce yourself? Sure. 
My name is Hugo Olayas. I'm an associate editor of Latino uh, Hispanic Resources for Forward Movement. Right. Well, welcome, Hugo. So to, to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about the tradition of Las Posadas? And for the listeners who don't speak Spanish, can you tell us about the, what the word means, how the celebration works, maybe some details specific to this type of celebration? The word posadas itself means something along the lines of inn, lodging, or shelter. And basically, the posadas are an Advent celebration. They involve a procession, Mm -hmm. And uh, they come from Latin America, basically from Mexico, some parts of Central America, Colombia, Venezuela, and Ecuador. It starts uh, on December 16th, and it lasts till December the 24th. So this is uh, based on, on, on the story told in Chapter 2 of Luke. Joseph and Mary are basically rejected by the innkeeper, uh, there's no room for them in the inn. The story says uh, they end up in, in a manger. The reenactment of the posadas basically reenacts that part, but then there's a twist at the end. And the last innkeeper of all the innkeepers who receive uh, the pilgrims ends up recognizing Joseph and Mary and inviting them in. You said this is a reenactment. I'm interested to hear more about the different roles people play, maybe the different parts of the posada. What makes it special? The one thing that you need to do is a song. This is a song that has a part sung by the pilgrims, as they are called, mm -hmm. from outside the house. Another part of the song is sung from inside the house. And the ones who sing from the inside are considered basically the innkeepers. You need that. We've got a recording of the, the song. I believe this is you singing in this recording, right? I think I asked my husband, John Charles, to, to play the guitar. I don't play the guitar myself. It's the two of us singing the song of the Posadas. And that song is repeated. So if you go to a neighborhood in Mexico, for example, the neighbors get together and they say, okay, the pilgrims are going to visit this, this, and this house. It could be three houses. It could be five houses. I don't know how many. But the important thing is to decide who the last neighbor visited is going to be because that family is in charge of not only opening the doors, which involves singing the last verse that was not sung in the other houses, but also preparing a dinner. So what got you interested in this tradition? I should make complete disclosure here. I was born in Argentina. I did not experience posadas growing up. <laughs> it was in the United States that I experienced my first posada. And at the time, I was worshiping with a small Latino congregation in Salt Lake City. Later on, we moved to North Carolina. I believe over 10% of the population of North Carolina are Latinos. So we decided that we were going to reconnect with some of these traditions 
And one of the things that we did is to participate in posadas organized by the neighbors themselves. We were there just to participate with them and to play the guitar because they didn't have uh, any musicians in, in the group. So we, I experienced posadas surrounded by Mexicans in this town in the middle of North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> So, Hugo, you've written a little bit about whether it's appropriate for non-Latin American or Latino families or churches that may not have many members um, that speak Spanish or of that community, if it's appropriate for them to organize posadas. Can you talk a little bit about that? I strongly recommend every Episcopal congregation in the United States or every Christian congregation mm -hmm. in the United States to explore the possibility of holding or celebrating posadas. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. This is a cultural tradition, and it has many, many different forms. Uh, this is a wonderful opportunity to meet your Latino neighbors. If you belong to an Anglo congregation, you can go to any Latino person, particularly if it's a, a, someone coming from Mexico, and say, hey, we, we are thinking of celebrating posadas in my church. Do you think you can help us? What, what advice would you give us what to do, what not to do? And, and then, of course, invite them. I remember that when we started to celebrate posadas in our congregation in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, we invited our barber. His name was Luis, and he was from, I think, San Miguel uh, in, in Mexico. He came, and after the celebration, he came to us. And he told us all the things that we had done wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? It is fine. It is perfectly fine. He wasn't offended. What kind of opportunities pop up when you're out worshiping and reenacting and singing in the neighborhood and uh, not just in your church? The most wonderful experience happened to me last Christmas because it was the first time that I was in Mexico. I have a friend there. Uh, his name is Arturo Eduardo Carrasco Gomez, a very active Anglican priest in the city of Mexico. We were at what is called Albergue Tochan. This is a, a shelter that receives migrants who are traveling across Mexico. Some of them may try to reach the southern border of the U.S., but the ones that I met there were really trying to stay in, in Mexico. People escaping horrible situations in countries like Honduras and, and Guatemala. And we celebrated these posadas in the street outside this, this shelter for migrants. Mm. And as we were walking, as we were singing the song and walking toward the shelter, these kids, and they were so wonderful, they started to spontaneously join us. What I'm trying to say is that for many Latinos, this is a public experience. Hugo, is there anything else you want to say about that thematic connection? I'm almost crying as I remember the message of the Posadas. And the struggles that these folks coming from Honduras and Guatemala had before arriving to Mexico City. And the way in which this shelter opened their doors to these migrants, it was so profoundly moving to see the whole community invited. The symbol was not lost. Mm. The posadas perhaps have the message that could save, that could save us. Uh, a reminder of the teachings of Jesus, a reminder about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to open our doors 
and receive the stranger. Thanks for joining us today. This episode was produced by Kyle Oliver and me, Sandy Milian, and was edited by Kyle. Our theme and reflection music is by Ana Hernandez. Jerusalem Cure writes our reflection guides. Chris Sigma writes our show notes. Our website is by Caleb Heitzman, and you can check it out at wayoflove.episcopalchurch.org. You can download Hugo's Las Posadas resources in English and Spanish at venadelante.org posadas, and you can find that link on our show notes. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd especially love it if you rate and review it or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contribute music, a prayer, or feedback, write us at wayoflove@episcopalchurch.org. This is Enrique Cintron from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. O oh Dios omnipotente, que derramas sobre todos los que lo desean el espíritu de gracia y súplica. Líbranos cuando nos acercamos a ti de tibieza de corazón y divicaciones de la mente para que, con firmes pensamientos y calurosos afectos, te adoramos en espíritu y en verdad. Por Jesucristo nuestro Señor. Amen. O Almighty God, who pours out on all who desire it the spirit of grace and of supplication, deliver us when we draw near to you from coldness of heart and wanderings of mind, that with steadfast thoughts and kindled affections we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The way of Jesus is the way of love, and the way of love can change the world. You're invited to join thousands of Episcopalians, neighbors, and friends this summer at the Love Always Revival at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. On Saturday, June 22nd, get immersed in inspiring worship and community, deepen your love for God, kick off the 81st General Convention, and extend a warm welcome to folks discovering the Episcopal Church. The revival is free to attend, so bring your friends. If you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at iam.ec lovealways.